What's up, guys? We are live with episode two of Pause for Popcorn. Uh, I forgot to update the episode number on here. There we go. Uh, Pause for Popcorn is our film and TV podcast that airs every Tuesday at 5.30 Pacific Time, 8.30 Eastern. Uh, today's episode is going to be a Guardians of the Galaxy 2 spoiler cast review. Uh, there's going to be spoilers all over the place in every hole. So, uh, mm, I like the sound prepare of that. yourselves. If, if you have not seen the movie, I do not recommend uh, listening to or watching this. But if you have seen the movie and you want to hear what we thought about it, um, feel free to stay with us. Uh, so tonight we've got uh, Mr. Negative. We know him as John as well. You guys might know him uh, from podcasts such as Super Deformed Games Cast and occasionally uh, Brat Basement Radio Arcade Podcast. Uh, so go check those out if you haven't. They're on YouTube. And we've got uh, Finneman, a.k.a. Torpedo, a.k.a. Mr. Steak Fries. What's yes. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh, so we'll get right into it. Um, I can hear myself a little bit. I'm getting a little bit of an echo. I don't think you guys have your speakers too loud. I don't think we hear anything on our end. Okay. All good. Um, so we'll get right into it. Uh, basically... I think the last episode I did for Star Wars was a little too structured. I don't want to hit a bunch of bullet points. I think we should just freewheel discussion on the, the movie Ooh. as a whole. Uh, so, but when, when talking about it, I'm curious what you guys thought about the first movie as well and, and your opinion of this relative to that, uh, things you think it did better, maybe things you think it did worse. Um, just to give everyone a little bit of perspective, there might be some people who didn't care for the first one, although how the fuck could you not like it? But whatever. I, I, I personally, uh, I, I think Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Volume 1, I guess for lack of a better term, uh, now that we have Volume 2, I thought it was one of, I, mean, I still think it's one of Marvel's strongest entries. Um, and this is coming from somebody who is a lifelong, diehard uh, Marvel Comics fan. I've, I read everything. Um, and what's really interesting is that Marvel took what was, what was essentially a, a C-list or a C-tier property and I think it's like D tier, like Iron Man. It was actually lower than that. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was closer to D tier. And they took it, and now, I mean, now the Guardians are a household name, which is just absolutely incredible. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy um, just resonated with me on so many levels. Um, I mean, you know, one, it was the, uh, it was really the, uh, the vehicle for Chris Pratt as a, as a bonafide action, uh, action star, you know, lead, uh, you know, leading man. Um, and, uh, and also it gave us Dave Batista, who, uh, you know, lo and behold is just, just, just does some great comedic work on screen. Um, His timing is impeccable. And a lot of people, um, that's easy to overlook. People don't understand how difficult it has to be, or how difficult it is to be good at comedy and to know exactly how to deliver those lines and when to deliver them. And he nails it. He nails it every single time. And um, like, uh, I, I'll never forget what he says. Uh, he says, "Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I would catch it." And th that's my favorite quote in the whole movie. But honestly. I felt like the most impressive part of Guardians of the Galaxy to me was Groot and the range of emotions that Vin Diesel was able to portray just with the, you know, I am Groot. Um, that's all he said, and that's all Groot says, but every time he says it, I know exactly what that character is thinking, and I know exactly the point he's trying to get across, and that, to me, is just beyond impressive. And really, and you know, we all know that Vin Diesel, you know, back from his, you know, like, you know uh, what was it, uh, the Iron Giant, we all know he's a very talented voice actor, mm -hmm. but this is just... This is I, I, I know a very few Hollywood actors who could pull off that type of range and emotion repeating the same three words over and over. Mm -hmm. Well, to 
to play off of what John said, I mean, just going back to pre this movie coming out or the first one coming out, the Guardians were D-list heroes, but that's kind of what Marvel Studios has done from the get-go because when they were un- not allowed to use X-Men or Spider-Man, which were their real big names, yeah. and you were left with these people that, let's be honest, before 2007, a lot of people didn't know who Iron Man was or who Thor was. or They they might have heard of Captain America, but everyone knew Superman, Batman, and Spider-Man. Those were the big three. I mean, I, Marvel, I don't know. I would argue that. I mean, I, Captain I, America was A-list. Not, but that's what you have to say. Like, they've turned them into household names for non-comics readers. For people that weren't comics fans, you knew who Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man were. But I'll, I'll clarify. Marvel, like, I, before these movies came out, I did, I'd never even heard of Guardians of the Galaxy, and the only Iron Man I knew, I think he showed up a little bit on the 90s Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah. Exactly. And that, that's like... That was the extent of it. I'm just because I've never been a big. I read Spider Man a bit as a kid, but I never got into the comics. Like so, um, yeah. Because X Men and Spider Man had '90s cartoons, they were the known ones. And Fantastic Four, they couldn't use them. But what Disney and Marvel did, what made them so successful, is they took these characters again. The comics, they're big deals, but to everyone else, no one knew they were basically unknown properties, and they made them household names every single one of them and guardians that first one was that true test like could they make even these no-name people successful and they blew it out the water and then the question was could they strike lightning twice with the sequel and spoiler i thought they did for the i would say that they did for the most part um i don't feel like the sequel was quite as strong as as guardians of the galaxy and that's not the fault of James Gunn or the movie itself, but you know, like 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 Torpedo just you know very astutely said, it's it's difficult to strike lightning twice, right? Or it's it's difficult to bottle lightning twice. And you know, I feel like I feel like there were some things that Guardians of the Galaxy did better, and there were some things that that Volume Two did better. For example, a really good example is I feel that uh, Volume Two had a much stronger villain uh, in uh, Ego the Living Planet as opposed to Ronan the Accuser. They um, um no. I mean, sorry. Cr- Oh, no, I was just going to say, because, I mean, I feel, I mean, Ronan was fine. Um, he he fell victim, in my opinion, to one of the, uh, one of the, cla- you know, I think Marvel's biggest issue, I think we could all agree, is they're is, villains. Uh, they're villains. Um, and I feel like Ronan kind of fell into that trap of, I'm a one-dimensional bad guy who wants to destroy the universe. And, um, and you know, he was fine. He was, it was a, it was a, he was a cool character. He looked cool. His design was cool. But in the end, he was just, I thought he was rather rote. Uh, uh, Kurt Russell's ego, on the other hand, I was wondering how they were going to do ego, uh, ego, the living planet, and um, and it just Kurt Russell is just such a personable actor, and he really brought his A game. And I, I went into this movie dark, and so I thought Aisha and Taserface were the villains, and Ego was just there as I'm Quill's father. Sorry, and, <laughs> Taserface. Yeah, I. Yeah. <laughs> and Taserface. <laughs> Taserface. <laughs> But you know, Jeff, by the way, Jeff, that was that was, that was good. I like that. I understood that. Reference. You know, sorry, um, just to to jump on what you're saying. Um, I'm not. This isn't giving Marvel an excuse, but I think the reason their villains uh, are so underdeveloped is because Marvel movies are not villain movies; they're hero movies, and they spend all their time and all their development on their heroes, and that's why everyone falls in love with all their characters. That's why everyone loves Thor. 
and you've got, the, you know, their movies are quoted all the time in pop culture. Everyone loves Groot. Everyone loves Dra Like, they put all their time and effort in developing these really likable characters, and I think they spend, if you compare screen time uh, in, like, a Marvel movie, like the, you know, something Tony Stark versus his enemy in one of the movies, compared to something like Heath Ledger and Christian Bale in Batman, and that one, I think, probably, you'll find there's a, a not even, but um, it's a lot closer in terms of the balance, whereas the Marvel movies, the villain only shows up when he needs to give the heroes a problem. I don't know. I, I, in regards to Marvel, I would like to see more um, more Lokis as opposed to more as opposed to more Ronins. You know, um, I, I, you know the potential's there, and I feel like Kurt Russell's well, ego. But again, Loki benefited because he's not like I was saying. Like they, their movies are about developing their heroes. Loki mm -hmm. got more screen because he's not just a villain; he's also Thor's brother, and yeah. that gives him so much more to do in the script. Where rather than just being an antagonist, you're fighting him, but he's also crucial to the part of the story. So. Maybe they need to do um, better in that regard and somehow, you know, make their villains more organic, make them tie in. You're not wrong story because all the best and most likable Marvel villains are the ones that are actually treated like characters and not just uh, villains. Yeah. What, what do you guys. I'm sorry, Matt. I, I'm sorry, Matt. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no. I was just going to say, like, DC movies have a lot of problems, but they always let their villains shine. Like, they're fleshed out characters as well. So. It's, it's one of the problems that Marvel's always had, but to piggyback on your original point, Ego was a very well-done villain comparatively to other Marvel ones. So, uh, yeah, I, I want to get into the, the movie a little bit more, and we'll start with Ego. Ego, I think, was a really good villain. I thought the second half of the movie was really strong. Um, the first half, I thought, was a bit plotting. There was certain scenes, I think, that went on a little bit too long. I don't think it was as focused as the first movie. It because was I, like, like so, the first half of the movie it wasn't bad, but I was just sitting there wondering like what's happening because you just have everyone standing around on Eagle's planet. You know something's gonna happen, but I think it took a little long for that reveal. Um, and it just everything it felt like everyone was kind of standing still till the the last act of the movie when the big well, reveal kicks in, and then it's like okay, here we go. Well, well, and that's the thing, Jeff, is that like you know everybody's on Eagle's planet, and which was very well. Does I feel like I felt like I was watching something out of the seventies, by the way. Like you know, like you smoke too much grass at a Grateful Dead concert, and you're on Ego's planet. Uh, it was very, very well designed. But but you're right because all of a sudden you get this huge exposition dump from Ego when he's walking around that little museum of his. And I was like, it, that was a moment. I was like, oh, okay, all right. Well, have now halfway through the movie, now I understand where the plot is going. But uh, I, I think at the same time, Ego's strengths completely took away from the characters of Aisha and Taserface, um, simply because I, I feel I thought Taserface was one of the worst parts of the movie. Uh, to be to be totally honest, there was no I, I found nothing compelling about his character. Not like Ego. I mean, I, I felt like Ego commanded but the screen the time Ta Russell was on wasn't there. Wasn't Taserface just, like, throwaway? Isn't he, like, Shocker and Spider-Man? He's just kind of, like, you're meant to, like, not... And he's not, he's not even shot. He's not even Shocker and Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, I think Taserface... He's, he's Rhino? Uh, no, he's more like... Uh, to, to, be, to be mocked and mm -hmm. taken down. I don't think he was ever supposed to be a credible character. Aisha, though, like, I, Aisha, Aisha figured strongly in the marketing for the movie, and she, she wasn't in the movie a whole lot. No, she, like, she really didn't get many scenes. The beginning and then just right at the very end. Right at the end. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, having said that, I, I, again, I feel that uh, this, the strengths of Ego made up for the weaknesses of characters like Aisha. Um, I would have liked to have seen more of his living planet form. Um, and yeah, that I, I understand why they didn't because, I mean, how do you 
how do you have the Guardians of the Galaxy interact with a planet? Um, but at the same time, Ego is such a cool design character in the comics, and you get that free, that very fleeting glimpse. And uh, I, I, I don't know. I felt like we spent too much time with his avatar and not enough time with the actual planet. Um, but again, I understand the logistical problems of having a living... Figure. I think it's also the same concept of why you have characters in masks constantly take their masks off, because if you get Kurt Russell in a movie, yeah. you're going to want to show Kurt Russell. Yeah. You're not going to want to have a superimposed face on a planet a lot. So mm-hmm. they, that, that's just that's just superhero movie... Well, and it, it helps the delivery, right? When you can read their face and their emotions. It's, it's a lot easier to do that with a, a human face than a, a planet. Um... But he, so, yeah, like, I like the, I think one of the strongest parts of the second one that I did better than the first one is the character moments. Um, most of the characters have really good moments, and I think the development was really good, the characterization was really good. Uh, I liked what they did with Rocket and Yondu especially. Mm. Um, the, the ending of the movie with, uh, you know, this is a spoiler cast, uh, Yondu's death, um, and kind ah. of, the, the moment with him and Peter, the recognition, you know, the kind of... Uh, the friendship between him and Rocket that was budding. Um, I thought all that stuff was good. The Nebula and Gamora part felt a little flat for me. Um, well, they reconciled awfully fast. Like, one minute Nebula wants to kill Gamora, and the yeah. next minute she's, you know, she's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Oh, you hate Thanos? And, I hate Thanos. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. Martha? Yeah. Who's Martha? You know, like... It was yeah. space Martha. Yeah. It was their Martha. Yeah, it was their Martha moment. Um... It's a little you more know, believable like, because they are sisters, and you can buy into it a little bit that there's some sort of, uh, you know, kinship deep down that they that they tapped into. But it, yeah, that, I, 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 I don't think it was it, earned. I took it as the second Gamora finally actually apologized for it. A lot of her hate swept away, and she was able to like all she wanted was her sister to apologize and hug her. As silly as that sounds, like I, I bought it. I was like, okay, I can see why she's begrudgingly helping them now. Yeah, you know, Jeff said something interesting in regards to um, you know character beats and, and character moments being as strong as the first one. I agree to a certain extent. I do feel that with some of the uh, with what they're doing, like take Drax for example. I feel like they're kind of really, really walking a fine line with Drax. Um, I, I felt like I felt like he he was borderline way too comedic relief. Mm. Um, I mean Drax. I mean Drax is a powerful character and. Drax is the kind of character that I want to see charge into battle and pull his blades out and start throwing up, but he didn't really do that uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. As, aside from jumping down that monster's throat at the very beginning, I didn't. I don't. I can't remember a single. I don't fight, think he actually did much. I can't. Rem, I can't remember a single fight scene of Drax. He it felt like his job was to stand around and throw out one-liners, like you know, I have famously large turds, and they're funny. They're funny, but at the same time. I feel like they are relegating that character into a position of comedic relief that I don't feel he warrants or, or, or needs. I, I, I feel like Volume 1 struck that happy balance between, okay, he's got his lighthearted funny moments, but Drax can kick ass if he has to. And I didn't get that sense here. And on the Actually, topic honestly, of- I rewatched the first one, and he didn't kick much ass in the first one either. I mean, he, I mean, he, he had a fight scene with Ronan, and he, had a fight, he, had, he was fighting with the guards. Um, yeah, but he lost every fight. Yeah. No, like he every won. major fight, like Ronan wrecked his shit. Ronan yeah. wrecked his shit, but he was also, I mean, he was shooting cannons around. And, yeah, and no, I, I know, I know. He had saying. more to do yeah. in the first one. I he know. had more to do, and this one, I, I don't remember, I just, I remember him standing around. Like, that, that, that I was standing around and making quips, and I was like, mm, I mean, and it's funny. On, but... on the topic of comic relief, that's one of my main issues with the film. I think the first one, 
balance the jokes a little better. Um, some of the jokes in this were really good, uh, but I felt there was either too many or yes. they there, – there were too many. Some of them felt forced. The whole – the penis thing went on really long. Yeah. The, and the, the main problem with them is every time there was a really good, heartfelt, emotional moment, it felt like they needed to lighten it up with a joke immediately after. Like when Drax, like you said, uh, when he's talking to Mantis, and it's like, you know, this really nice discussion that they're having. And then at the end, but you're ugly. And it's like, yeah. that yeah, line is like funny, many... but it just, it, it just kind of defeats what they're building up to every time. Um, well... Well, I mean, I mean, you're right. I mean, every time they crack a joke after an, emo- an emotional moment, it completely undercuts the yeah. the emotion that had been building up to that point. And, and I think you're right. And that that was actually Jeff. It's, it's interesting you mentioned that. I went to go see it with my brother and a few friends, um, and and we all agreed. We said really good, great movie, veering a little too far into comedy, uh, full full out comedy for our tastes. Um, I'm. Hmm. I'm 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 gonna have to say I, I like the balance of it because it it further differentiated itself from the other Marvel movies. It, it it is more of a straight action comedy rather than the others with have which just have a sprinkling of humor in it. Guardians just decided to embrace that aspect of themselves. Yeah, and no, I, 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 go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry, man. Yeah, like uh, to what Matt's saying, I love that it almost went full cartoon at times. There's the part in the forest where the guys or Rocket's uh, gadget is just flipping them up above the trees. That was cool. Uh, and then the part or where the they're work. making all the jumps and their faces are just. I was like, I'm watching the Saturday morning. That cartoon. was fun. Yeah, that was. I lost yeah. my shit. The faces, the faces. I was, I was laughing at that. <laughs> that was, that was really good. Yeah. And it, you know, it, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to seem like I'm coming down incredibly hard on, on the comedy because I, I, I don't think it was bad. I just, I feel like I, I. I feel like there's a there is a recipe there for Guardians three to be a vastly inferior film to the first two, um, I because I, I I just don't want them to, I don't want them I, I don't I don't want a cartoon I I, I like them f- skirting the line between mm. serious and funny but I don't want this to be like a, a full blown Saturday morning cartoon, um, but that that's just me so I, I feel like the film I feel like I feel like the first film balanced the the action. And the comedy better. I mean, that's um, fair. However, I also worry that every Marvel movie post Avengers three is going to not live up. I think we're going to start seeing diminishing returns yeah. in general. I think you're probably right. Um, you know, I mean, can we, Jeff? Do you mind if I, we just we, we mentioned Yondu real quick and what a Yondu what an am- was amazing in this movie. What Michael a Michael standout standout breakout. I mean, that was just a standout role. Um, and it made me really sad that we're not going to see that character again because I was like, holy shit, you know, like I was not aware. I mean, you know, I've, I've read the comic book, so I know who, uh, you know, Yandu Udante is, but man, Michael Rooker really brought his A game to this one. Uh, maybe because he knew it was his last, his last go around as Yandu. Mm. Um, but, but by the end, I really, really, that, fo- it, it, you know, Look at the familial relationship in the movie between Gamora and Nebula, and how you said it was unearned. And I agree with you. By the end, by 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 the by the by the time the credits rolled, I felt like the father son relationship that had been established between Yondu and Peter was incredibly believable. I bought I bought into it completely, um, and I bought into that was a great 
impactful emotional moment for for Peter Quill when Yondu died and he was screaming at the top of his lungs. Yeah. Um, I really, really believed that that Quill was just in severe emotional pain over the death of Yondu, and I thought I thought that whole scene was one of the absolute highlights of the movie for me. I felt I felt so much for Peter because you realize that he lost both fathers on the same day. He realized that they were both his fathers. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Like oh, that, that was <laughs> best line. Yeah. That was great. That Is was that ba- good. Yeah. It's, it's it's badass. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> like that was that was great. But yeah, I, I um. Yeah, I, I'm. It made me really sad that we're not going to see any more Yondu. I I thought that I, he became one of the MCU's best characters in this movie, and now he's gone. I really felt they were going to do the classic Marvel like last minute Deus Ex Machina save, like the ship was going to fly up and and pick them. I'm both glad they didn't. But that was well, like yeah, it was almost mirroring me too, the uh, but Peter. I just kept expecting it. It was almost mirroring the Peter and uh, Gamora scene oh, in the first exactly. one. And so that would have been a little bit too familiar, I guess. It had to a little too on the nose, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I, and I, I feel like you know what, guys, I feel like another breakout character in that movie was um, Mantis. I, no, not Mantis. Um, it begins with a K. Uh, uh, Sean Gunn. Sean Gunn's character. Oh, uh, oh Craggle. 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 Someone's, yeah, yeah, Matt, look yeah, 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 yeah. Look him up because we're gonna. I'm thinking of the Sam from Lego Movie, like, the Craggle. The Craggle. Yeah. That's yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. But um, yeah, Cragglear. I'm looking it up now. Uh, but I, I thought, I thought, I thought he was gonna be like a throwaway character, and he ended up becoming really. Craglin. Craglin. There we, we were close. But that, close. that's the thing. Like, I, it, the realization is like we talk about how like Drax and Groot don't have as much to do in this movie. And it's because Craglin, Yondu, Mantis, Ego, uh, and even Nebula get a lot of character development. So the other characters that got a lot of focus in the first film kind of have to take a back seat. Do you guys feel like the movie was overstuffed? Honestly, uh, when I heard that they were originally going to put Adam Warlock in the movie and then he decided not to because he already had eight characters on the team plus villains, I was like, yeah, smart call. Yeah. And now that's just going to be the focus of Volume Three. So I thought yeah. it was just the right amount of stuff. There wasn't Spider-Man Three stuff where they're like, "We're going to have three villains." Yeah, and I, the villain. <laughs> I don't think it was overstuffed. I think they had the right amount of stuff. I think the way they handled it was a little messy at times. Like I just mentioned, with um, the amount of time they spent on certain scenes um, and just kind of the I don't know. I don't. It's I have to see it again. Um, all I know is the, the first half of the movie, I thought the pacing was a little off, but the second half, um, and they, the thing I love about Marvel and the thing that this did so well, it reminded me a lot of Civil War, like the last battle where they're fighting Ego and like, it's like splash pages from the comics come to life. Yes. Like yeah. everyone's in the air and if you can pause it and look at any one character and they're all doing something and the camera's going around and Rocket's got his guns and they're like, it's so good. I'm not so going to lie. It makes me like just salivate at the thought of what the Russo brothers are going to do with infinity war when oh, everybody oh. teams up against Thanos. So, and so let's, let, let's talk about that. I was surprised, Jeff, if you don't mind, man, yep. um, I, I, w- I was wondering if um, we could just uh, mention the fact that no, uh, no, me- no real mention. I mean, I think there was one mention of the infinity gems, no real, no real buildup towards infinity war at all, which kind of surprised me. I was expecting that because I figured if, if any, 
if any of the Phase 3 movies were going to help build up to Infinity War, it would have been Guardians of the Galaxy, because Mm. now we are in the cosmic universe. Let me point something out to you. I think it's going to be Ragnarok, because Ragnarok takes place all in space. Let me point something out to you. I was watching the credits for this, waiting for the post-credit scenes. On the right-hand side of the credits, they have all the pictures of the characters... You, you see Jeff, closely, you see Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum. I saw, I saw that. Yeah, and I, you can tell I from the that. Thor Ragnarok trailer. Look at the costumes. Look at the settings. The aesthetic in Thor Ragnarok is very similar to a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy. Like even the trailer, down to the uh, the neon like yep. retro vibe and the soundtrack choice, mm-hmm. it's very so Guardians. That's going to be what tie you know because then Thor and uh, Bruce Banner, they're going. I don't know if it'll happen in Thor Ragnarok or if it'll just set it up. But Thor and uh, Bruce, I think, are going to be the ones to meet the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. And it's going to be similar yep. to that thing you had in Civil War where uh, Falcon says, I know a guy, because he, he, you know, he ran into Ant-Man. Um, you think Thor they're, they're and gonna... Hulk are going to be that bridge that brings yeah, the two they're going to be like, we know, we, we know these guys. They can help us. And... I, I always thought the stinger for Thor Ragnarok was going to be the Guardians meeting Hulk and Thor on their way back to Earth. Yeah, we and I think we talked about that on Twitter briefly. My my thinking on that is that the moment that you have the Guardians meet some of the Avengers is such a big moment that they're not going to put that in a post credit scene. That's going to be a key. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- movie, I think but... I think it would no. be the perfect mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. jump off point for. Him I don't know. It would be that. like a it... holy shit moment. But for a for a, for a stinger after the credits, yeah. I'm kind of with Jeff on that. We'll I don't. I'm just like, like it, it might not fully show them on, but it's going to tease. That's my prediction. I, I, I fully we, back it. We can I do an avatar bet. Uh, Finneman can wear a uh, oh, taser yeah. face avatar for a week. You guys should do it. Yeah. <laughs> taser face. <laughs> or he has to go by the name taser face on SDGC for a month. That would be, that would be amazing. We're and I'm just like, constantly, I'm going to swear that it's a cool name. So, like, speaking of stingers, how great was that uh, uh, stinger with um, uh, Stan Lee and the Watchers? Yeah. Which is interesting because I thought that the Watchers would have fallen to Fox as part of the rights of the Fantastic Four. Hold on. I'm going to pause you here. you got to explain to me and maybe some of the, the listeners who the hell the Watchers are for us. Not okay. Okay. Okay, so Uatu and the Watchers. Uh, the Watchers were those bald-headed guys talking to Stan Lee. And the Watchers are basically cosmic entities that eons ago were responsible. Uh, they provided technology to a, a, a race and helped them evolve themselves, and eventually that race was responsible for a great galactic uh, calamity. So the Watchers took it a vow only to observe and never to interfere. Um, and in the comic books, in, in the comic books, Uatu is the Watcher who breaks his vow and warns the Fantastic Four about Galactus, who is coming to Earth to consume it. Um, so, so the watchers are basically, they, that's what they do. They watch, they watch everything unfold. They're these very powerful cosmic beings. Um, and, uh, and it's interesting because the watchers are almost always associated with the Fantastic Four franchise, just as, so is Ego the Living Planet, by the way. And I, I guess, uh, I read somewhere that, that Marvel made a deal for, for Ego. Um, yes. and, and, and I guess... I guess that that's either fantastic. Either Fox never had the rights to the Watchers, or maybe they were included in the deal with Ego. Um, but what I don't understand, and maybe Torpedo, you can help me understand this: is was Stanley supposed to be Uatu? I mean, that's what people are saying because he mentions in his conversation his time as uh, 
as a delivery man. Like, he's directly referencing his own cameos in other Marvel movies. Well, he doesn't look like a Watcher. He doesn't. That's the only thing that struck me. uh, Maybe he can just phase or or shapeshift or conceal himself in some manner. I mean, James Gunn himself led uh, fed the fuel of that fire where he was like there's a reason stanley is always appearing as a bystander observing all of these moments in these marvel movies they're hinting that he might be the watcher i just well see that's a theory <laughs> that's been floating around for years and i can't i never heard that, that. James that's Gunn, hilarious no dude no dude this has been a theory that people marvel fans have been floating for years is that um, Stan Lee is Uatu the Watcher, and now he's James Gunn has basically validated that theory, which I just thought was so one so fucking meta, yeah. but two just so incredibly cool that happened because I went to this movie blind, I had no idea what was going to happen. So when I saw I the Watchers and Stanley, I was like, oh my god! I was like, that is awesome. All I knew about the movie going in was there was five after credit scenes, and I yeah. kept seeing so like we explained the credit scenes. I'm like, why would I want that spoiled? Go fuck yourself. And the credit scenes were exactly... When I heard there was five, this is what I figured it would be. They're not five, like, teasers. They're just... No, they were just, like, five little scenes. Yeah. It's just weird, though, that, like... I was waiting for that scene with Thanos getting his hands on, like, on, 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 like, you know, the time gem or something. You know, he's, like, you know, one down or something like that. You know, I was waiting on... I was waiting on something with Thanos, and, and I... And he never popped up. Well, you'll remember um, with the first one, uh, Gun shied away from that too. The big last scene was just a throwaway Howard the Duck. I, yeah, Gun, yeah. Gun doesn't Flash really like to that. do that stuff. I think uh, maybe you maybe you guys can uh, help me out here a bit. I felt like um, Sylvester Stallone's character wasn't either wasn't uh, adequately explained, or I just didn't quite understand his significance. Star, and then. Starhawk. And I there is a final post-credit scene uh, that I believe was a homage to the original yes. Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe you guys could okay. explain that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, uh, uh, the the thing was that they they tweaked him enough to fit into the movie. Like he was never Starhawk. They so were just who, who they, is Starhawk? He he was basically an original, like an old he, school wait, he's like the, Marvel superhero. Yeah, he was he was the original leader of the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, um, his whole um, thing was he would relive yeah. his life over and over again. And he was badass, and but they they turn Yondu was part of his team, but they went with the Ravager angle because that was already established. So instead of them like they're the original Guardians, they they brought them together, and it was like just one giant Easter egg. And I, I find it hilarious that they got these big the, these notable actors to play these this incredibly bit part because. <laughs> I didn't know this until after the fact, but the little crystal gem guy, yeah. the like crystalline guy, yep. was Michael Rosenbaum. It was Michael Rosenbaum. Who was yeah. Smallville or the voice of Flash well, and Justice League. And in the, oh, first, you know, in the first one, Nathan Fillion was the big blue guy who yeah. like stuck the... Yeah. yeah. And, uh, oh, and, and here's the best part. Mainframe, that robot, that was Miley, Miley Cyrus. Cyrus. What? Miley yeah. Cyrus was the robot head, and then you had... Uh, what was it, Ving Rhames? Ving Rhames was in there. No. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they're all based on the original Guardians. That's cool. But instead of calling them that, they were just like, they're Ravager captains. Mm. And so and what, that was a big Easter egg. What's, what's interesting is that James Gunn, I don't know if you guys saw this, but James Gunn said Guardians 4 could be a whole different team. Yeah. Um, so the Guardians are like the Avengers and the X-Men. Their yeah. ranks change so much. Makes you wonder if we're going to see characters like, uh, you know, Starhawk and Mainframe uh, pop up and take more prominent roles 
Uh, well, I, I foresee Adam Warlock taking over a lot. Oh, he's absolutely going to be the antagonist in Guardians of the Galaxy Three. Like there's until there's no joins, question. Until, until he, he joins them, yeah, he'll yeah. he'll reform himself, which is good because I'm I'm a I'm a little frustrated with the let's kill all our villains off mm-hmm. trope. Hey, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I I really really don't like when when what, especially like in an established shared universe like the MCU. I was really hoping they wouldn't kill Ego off. Just like I was really hoping they wouldn't kill a lot of villains off, like they wouldn't kill Crossbones off, like they wouldn't kill Ultron kill off. Crossbones, like kill... said. I, and, and I was like, man, I was like, Marvel, dude, stop killing all your bad guys. Stop killing all your bad guys. Um, you know, so I, I, yeah, I was hoping to see Ego make it out alive, but you know, he wasn't to be. Um, but uh, yeah, overall, just a just just an absolutely just an absolutely fantastic movie. Um, so if I had to give it like. Yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry, man. No, 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 That's please. Right. Uh, so you were gonna you were gonna rate it? Yeah, I, I, I'd give it a solid eight point five. What about you, Matt? Uh, you know what? I will also give it an eight point five because while I really enjoyed it and I put it on par with the first one, uh, my big gripe I never actually got into this was the movie ultimately served no purpose. Uh, it didn't further anything in the MCU. Yep. It didn't really further anything in the Guardians tale. It was there very was standalone. A, it was a very standalone movie. And then you watch and you're like, that, that could have been like, it, it felt, I mean, I don't want to use the word filler because there was a lot of character moments, but in the grand scheme of the Marvel continuity leading up to the Thanos uh, Infinity War, because every movie could be seen as moving the needle to that final conflict, Guardians 2 just kind of, it doesn't. It's just like, and we're here. So I'll counter Not- that a, a little bit. Um, I think that, that ties into my complaint before where I felt like a lot of the movie, nothing was happening. Um, it's basically they, you know, the other team members of the team were just doing their various stuff. And in the end, it was just a bunch of people hanging around on Ego. And then they discover he's bad and they fight him. And that was basically it. But I think while it doesn't advance um, plot in terms of events or, uh, you know, really significant impact on other things in the MCU, I think it advances the characters, it advances the Guardians themselves, the The development was really good, and I think all of them are in a different spot than they were at the beginning of the movie, and I think um, they're in, more in a place where they'll be ready uh, for that Infinity War battle. Um, you know, someone like Rocket, I think at the end of the first movie, he's still very much in it for himself, like most of the Guardians are. They're just this ragtag group, and yeah, they became friends, but you could still kind of... St- doubt whether they care enough to fight for the universe and i think um all of them were given meaning or purpose in some way in this movie um and kind of you know resolved a lot of their inner issues um and i think are stronger uh and now maybe they've seen yeah i do have something to fight for i can be a good guy Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And, you know, I, I feel like, I, you know, I, I'm really glad they did that because I, by the end of the movie, I, let's take Rocket, for example, right? Like, I kind of felt like his, his I'm an angry raccoon and I was mistreated and blah, blah. I was, I, I, I kind of, I was like, okay, I'm kind of over this now. Um, I, I'm ready. I'm kind of ready for these guys to come together and, and put some of their, put some of this stuff aside. And I felt like, what consequently, I felt like some of the strongest scenes in the entire movie were uh, between Yondu and and Rocket, which again yes. makes me sad that we're not going to see Yondu again because that bromance was epic. The bromance between yeah. Yondu and, and and Rocket was absolutely phenomenal because these are two. And there was there 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 was one moment where Yondu, I, I was like, I really got it. 
right? And it really actually affected me because when I was down in Savannah, Georgia, um, this past weekend, like I always do, I went to visit my friend Joel, who um, who died a few years ago. We had this spot in Savannah, Georgia. We would be years ago, back in high school, we would sit and like you know freaking drink and talk about you know talk about chicks in the future and whatever. And we would constantly yell at each other. And what something that Yandu said, we were both kind of we were both kind of misfits. We were kind of social outcasts. And something that Yandu said to Rocket really resonated with me when he was yelling at him. And he says he said he says I know you because you're me. You know, and and I and and that really that was such a such a powerful moment for me um, because it reminded me of the of the kinship and the brotherhood between me and and Joel, God rest his soul, and. Um, so, so that moment for me, that bond between Yandu and Rocket, hit home for me on a very personal level. Um, and I just and and you know and beyond that, the writing in that scene was just so well done, uh, and the acting was just so well done. And Michael Rooker just brought everything to the table. And oh, just that that to me, that was my favorite moment in the entire movie. To be perfectly honest with you, that stood head and shoulders above everything else for me. Man. Well quick, put. Quick hit then to to kind of tie it all together. Two questions: Do you guys like Guardians One or Guardians Two more overall? And which one has the better mixtape? Matt, why don't you take it first, man? Uh, mixtape is definitely Volume One. Yes. Uh, I don't think there should be anybody. Cherry bomb. Uh, Cherry bomb, and um, you know, the, the opening up the movie with um, uh, "Come Get Your Love" and you know, Quill dancing around. And, I mean, you can't. Yeah. That was such a perfect opening for that movie. Um, you know, uh, more than a feeling when you're walking through the prison. Um, you know, yeah, that that one had more iconic ones, and it feels like uh, it feels like part two felt almost like when there was too many rock band and guitar hero games when they started this really. They were they were no longer the greatest hits. They were just like other songs you might have heard of. I mean, they were still good. But not compared to the first one. But so we, mixed yeah. those volume one for me all day, every day. Me I'm too. gonna have Yeah. You too, John? Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. Honorable mention yeah. to an original song by David Hasselhoff for the end credits. Yes. So yes. Yeah. Oh that that Hasselhoff camo was mint, by the way. That was fantastic. <laughs> um what about the movies? Which one do you guys prefer? Uh, Guardians of the Gal shit. Um it's tough. Okay. Can I break it down into two different categories for myself? Sure. Thematic, thematically, um, I preferred. How about this? From an action standpoint, I preferred Guardians One. Uh, from a villain and a characterization standpoint, I prefer Two. Um, I felt like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One had better action. I felt like there. The, the the threat was much more pronounced with even though I felt ego was a stronger villain uh, thematically I felt Ronan presented a bigger threat um, to the his universe ship killed like the entire Nova Corps yeah his ship killed the, the entire like that All whole he had, fleet he was about to touch the um, the power gem uh, to the uh, to the surface of Xandar which would have obliterated the entire planet at that moment he became powerful enough to take on Thanos and so I felt like Ronan was a more menacing a, a centrifugal threat than, than Ego was, even though e, I felt Ego was a better written, more fun character to watch. Um, 
So, yeah, yeah. So there are certain things I like about Guardians of the Galaxy 1 more than Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and that's not the takeaway from either film. I, I think they're both great. I, I'm going to put it, you know, it, I don't want to echo everything, but pretty much uh, I agree with John on this one. The Part 2 had a better villain, but Part 1 had more stakes, I think, so it felt more uh, gripping. It, I felt more invested in it. Uh, and also, there was the added bonus. I mean, there's no denying that Guardians 1 was so fresh and new yeah. because we knew nothing about them. We had no idea what to expect, whereas Guardians 2 is just a more polished version of that, but it loses that new factor, loses that wow factor, because we know what to expect. We, Which, we know what we're seeing. We just don't know where it's going. To but be fair, which is a, a problem most sequels face. Like, I think Age yes. of Ultron, despite I mean, yeah, all its problems, suffer from that, too. Problems, yeah. But, yeah. And it, it contributes to why part one is more uh, gripping for me. I mean, the, 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 there are those rare moments in, in the MCU where the sequel surpasses what the first... Like, I think The Winter Soldier is a really good example of that. Yeah. Um, which, is, to me, is probably one of the finest movies in the entire franchise. A Winter Soldier, was, I felt, was a stronger sequel. Um, uh, you know, and that's actually really kind of it. Um, but... Uh, I don't. I don't think Guardians of the Galaxy two was necessarily stronger or weaker. It was just. It was different, and that's that works both for and against it. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. No, I agree. So I, yeah, I, I'm with you guys. I think I like them both for different reasons. But two years from now, if I'm just at home and I feel like just watching one of them, I feel like more often than not, the one I'm going to throw on is is the first one. Um, but I, I need to, I need to watch the second one at least once more. I think to oh yeah the Marvel and I think it, it's a testament to the second one that I want to watch it again. Yeah, yes. I love I love watching these movies when they release the second time because then I feel like enough times passed where it doesn't feel like I've just seen it again. So. I mean, when Spider-Man comes out, I'm going to go see that five times because Spider-Man is my favorite. Oh, is my favorite character, so yeah. I'll go see that. I'll go see. I will literally see that five times in the theater. <laughs> um, I really want the Vulture to be a cool, compelling villain. I'm not convinced he's going to be, but uh, <sighs> but you know, whatever. And I mean, I'd make make Shocker the throwaway villain like he like he is. And uh, and and if if they can bring some real, because Michael Keaton is a phenomenal actor, um, so I, I I do have I do have an inkling of hope that Adrian Toomes is going to be a one of the one of the MCU's uh, breakout villains. I just hope they don't kill him. Just don't kill him. Mm-hmm. Bring him back for the Sinister Six. Lock, and by the way, yeah, I was gonna guys, say lock them all up in a jail somewhere. Send them all I, to uh, what's the galactic prison? Nowhere. No, no. no well, well, they would get sent to the raft. Um, okay. uh, but. Or I'm sorry, not the Raptor Triskelion. Uh, but I don't know if you guys saw it, but Dave Batista was giving an interview today, and apparently um, the rights to Spider-Man are reverting back to Marvel. What? Yeah. Uh, Interesting. I can actually. I did not send, read that. Maybe. I can actually send you guys a. I can I can pull it up here real quick. Um, give me ten seconds, and I can actually read it on the podcast, Jeff. Um, pull it up here. Yep. So what's I want? What's the source? Um, it is, I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it's, it's audio. It's, it's audio of, of uh, David. Oh, Batista. sorry. Okay. Um, I'm going to take a grain of salt with that. I think maybe Dave Batista misspoke or I don't know. That would be awesome, but it would be, it would be, be crazy. Crazy. I'm, I'm trying to find the damn That's thing like, here. That is but... all Sony pictures has left. 
is Spider-Man. Yeah, it, 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 it makes you wonder what they would, what, what, I mean, hold on, I really want to, okay, yep, yeah, so, yep, here it is, Dave, uh, Dave Batista believes Spider-Man right to go back to Marvel Studios, um, here's what he said, uh, this is a direct quote from David Batista, um, he said, Spider-Man is the one I'm really looking forward to. I love that kid. I love Tom Holland. I also love that they're staying so true to the comics with this whole series. And I think that's because Marvel Studios has gotten involved. I think before it was Sony who had control. And I think they're doing a partnership now. But I think they will. I don't know this for sure. But I think they're, I think they're going to reacquire Spider-Man. Okay. So um, and, 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 and then I guess, and then I guess he, he stopped talking. He, he shut up. Um, well, Disney can certainly afford it. <laughs> Yeah, could whatever uh, it, that would cost, I'm sure they could afford it if they. It really would be fascinating. It. it would be fascinating if Marvel was going around trying to stamp up the rights to their. And it, it makes sense. I mean, they got Uatu, they got uh, Ego. I guess originally, the plan they wanted Galactus um, in exchange for Daredevil, and uh, and and Fox said no, you can't have Galactus. Um, yeah. But uh, it sounds like they're trying to get some of their uh, some of their some of their uh, property rights back. Well, I would be uh, all aboard that, but that's probably a topic for another time. Um, so we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. I want to thank you guys so much for coming on tonight. Oh, thanks, for having No, yeah. dude, this is dude, this is fantastic. You're doing such a good job with this, man. Talking this is... comics and comic movies is ha- is what gives me life. It's, and it, uh... it, it's a nice palate cleanser from talking video games all the time. <laughs> yep. So. The nice thing about Marvel is it's always Marvel time. There's always something yeah, happening. Absolutely. Either either absolutely. making great movies or ruining their historic characters in their comics. But we won't get into that. Oh, did you hear that uh, Hydra oh, Cap is now worthy and has wielding Thor's hammer? Yeah, he picked a Mjolnir. Uh, I fucking hate everything. I okay. Ha- I, ha- I hate what they're doing. Like, <laughs> well, thanks for watching, everybody. Uh, Pause for Popcorn, again, airs every Tuesday at 5.30 Pacific, 8.30 Eastern. We are pre-recording this. Uh, since I won't be around uh, this Tuesday, but it will go live at the usual time. It'll also be up on SoundCloud, and I'm working on getting iTunes. Um, so it should be available however you want to listen to it. And I want to thank, again, Matt and John for coming on. Uh, you mind if I plug your guys' Twitter handles? Please. Uh, so you can find Matthew Finman, a.k.a. Torpedo Vegas, a.k.a. Taserface, at <laughs> Nola Nerdcast on Twitter. Uh, which is my other show, which is all about comics and games. So, yeah, definitely give them a watch. And then uh, John is at Mr. Megative on Twitter. Um, and he is also the host of Super Deformed Gamescast at SDGC underscore podcast. They're on YouTube as well. Uh, Which so- I, everybody on this podcast is also on SDGC. So <laughs> it's like a, like, like a little... We're super cool. Yeah, we're really cool. That- and and, and as, we, as we leave, can we just talk about how great Team Groot is? Team Groot is good, yeah. I, I thought they went in a little too hard on the baby Groot stuff but as do as do i i'll be i'll be i'll be happy to get regular Groot back <laughs> well you know we get team Groot now and they oh yeah guardians four or avengers hopefully, six hopefully, I, I just want regular Groot back uh, kind of i'm over. sure by uh, the next movie we'll have regular Groot. <laughs> i think so okay too. well on that on that note hashtag bring back Groot. but we'll uh, <laughs> i guess we'll wrap it there thanks again guys thanks everyone for listening and have yourselves a great night later guys see ya